The demand for crossbred bulls among commercial ranchers has increased, and in this episode, we'll visit with Rob Foreman of Trinity Farms out of Ellensburg, Washington, about heterosis, but not just about the terminal performance perspective, also about maternal traits, specifically fertility and longevity, on this episode of the Working Ranch Podcast. It's the Working Ranch Podcast back again with another episode. I'm your host, Justin Mills, and thank you for joining us. By the way, I'd encourage you to click on the follow or the subscribe button on your individual podcast provider. Follow us here at the Working Ranch Podcast. And what that'll do is that each time that we drop a new episode, you will receive a new notification and then you can go out and listen to that. Or for some, in some cases, it actually auto downloads it for you right to your device that you typically listen on. Also, help us out. We'd appreciate this. If you find an episode useful, share it. Share it on your social media page or to your friends. We would sure appreciate that as well. Well, we're starting to see just a little green here in the northeast corner of Wyoming. I know the cows really spread out as they're chasing the green grass that's starting to come up, but man, it is still very dry. We've had some extremely high wind and talking with folks as far west as Washington State to the middle of South Dakota and down into Colorado, this wind has been pretty widespread. And to make it worse, we've even started to see some fires show up, and it is way too early for the fire season to start here in the west. But I know we're not the only ones that's had some tough weather the southeast part of the country you folks have seen some major storms and tornadoes as well so always the weather a topic of conversation for all of us in agriculture well with today's episode you know we're going to jump right into the middle of the debate of crossbreeding in the cattle industry now i might have hyped that up just a little bit it's not a fierce debate but it does have a tendency to bring out a lot of discussion amongst those of us in the cattle business especially the time of year when you're starting to buy bulls and probably the other time of the year when you sell your calves as well but nevertheless as i said in the intro rob foreman with trinity farms uh, in ellensburg washington will be my guest today we're going to talk about crossbreeding but more specifically topics uh, of course heterosis but genomic testing fertility and longevity so stay with us for that that will be coming up in the next segment also just a teaser for our next episode of the working ranch podcast as randy block with cattle facts will be joining me we're going to talk the forecast of the cattle market for this next year and what the indicators that they're watching for that they feel are going to influence the market also there have been a couple market related bills introduced back in washington dc one called the market transparency act the other bill they're referring to it as the 50 14 bill both of these have ties back to creating transparency in the cattle market which is a huge topic so be sure to join us on the next episode as our featured guest will be randy block with cattle facts well right now i do want to remind you about something we've been talking about here on the last episodes and that is the working ranch expo that's going to be held during the national finals rodeo in las vegas this coming year this is new for the working ranch magazine and we are very excited to host this event so i hope you'll join it put it on your calendar you can go to the nfr at night then you can come do the working ranch expo through the day you also have cowboy christmas right next door 
all of those things to do December 8th through the 10th. It's the Working Ranch Expo during this coming year's NFR. If you'd like to exhibit or you want more information on it about attending, you can go to the website at workingranchmag.com for more information. Well, the sponsors for this episode include the American Simmental Association. And there have been some fundamental changes that the American Simmental Association has brought to the table in trying to help ranchers move their operations forward. Pedigree knowledge with actual performance records and now very advanced genomics. All of this to provide more predictability to the producer so that you can make management decisions that increase their profitability back to you. Simgenetics. Profit Through Science. Find out more at Simmental.org. Other sponsors include Central Life Sciences. Plan ahead. It's getting to be that time of year, so Altacid IGR Fly Control Products is the answer for fly control in your operation. Also, the North American Limousine Foundation, Corteva AgriScience, and their new DuraCore herbicide for weed control in your pastures, and the American Hereford Association. Well, now let's check in with the captain, Tim O'Byrne, publisher and editor of Working Ranch Magazine for this episode's edition of Tim's Two Cents. Hey, Justin. Hey, Working Ranch podcast listeners. I promise, Justin, I'll keep it to Tim's Two Cents this time. Not like last episode. Folks, uh, go to our Facebook page. You're going to see a post I just dropped on there. It's uh, a very helpful calving technique for those weak calf syndrome calves those ones that just won't get up um it's called the madigan squeeze i thought i knew everything uh about calving and i did not know this technique they use it on foals and it does work on calves to some degree and uh, it's definitely worth checking out Go to our Facebook page, The Madigan Squeeze. That's my two cents. Justin, back to you. Hey, now, I'm going to have to go check that out. Thanks, Captain, for that two cents. That just might make you several hundred dollars when you save a calf there. So, boy, Captain, you keep coming up with good advice like that. We may need to increase your segment from two cents up to that two dollars you were talking about. Well, stay with us. Rob Foreman with Trinity Farms joins us in this next segment as our guest on our feature topic for this episode of crossbreeding and what heterosis is doing for both terminal and maternal traits. Back after this. Starting off in the right direction is essential to gaining an advantage later when you go to market your calves. And I have proof that the right direction is with Sim Angus Sired Calves. A 2020 study by K-State showed that Sim Angus Sired Steer Calves earn more at sale time than all other breed identified sire groups with at least 50 lots represented on Superior Livestock's 2020 summer sales. The proof's right there. For low-risk, high-potential calves with earning potential, be confident that Sim Genetics will give you more per head, period. Stand strong, Simmental. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Mills. Our featured interview today brought to you by Corteva AgriScience. Keep weeds out of the way with new DuraCore herbicide and make the most of your pasture. Learn more at DuraCore Herbicide. Dot com. 
Well, as I said at the top of the episode today, our interview, our main topic today is on heterosis. Now, I'm going to assume first that for the most part, everyone listening understands that heterosis, or another name for it, of hybrid vigor, is the enhancements of genetic traits seen in the offspring which in the cattle business usually means taking one breed of purebred type cattle and breeding it with another or possibly a third in the form of a composite breeding situation. Now, typically we have seen it, not not uniformly, but typically we've seen it taking an English breed-based herd and then crossing it with a continental breed or crossbred of some sort. So today, I'm pleased to have Rob Foreman of Trinity Farms out of Ellensburg, Washington, to join us on the Working Ranch podcast. They've had a crossbred program in their herd for over 30 years, and I felt in terms of getting a full grasp of this and relating it back to the commercial rancher, Rob would be a good person to talk to. So, Rob, thank you for joining us all the way from Ellensburg, Washington here. Well, good morning, Justin, and thanks for having me on. Uh, We love the Working Ranch publication and appreciate the opportunity to visit with you this morning. Now, Rob, you guys have been in the cattle business for quite some time. And when you decided to head down the road of having a crossbred program, how did that evolve? What were the needs of the commercial cattlemen that you were trying to address or that you thought you needed to address with your own breeding program? So originally we were Simital breeders. And one of the first things we had to address back in the late 70s and 80s is we had to quote unquote fix those cattle and make them more commercially acceptable Mm -hmm. and we had the good fortune of having another fantastic breed in the u.s in angus cattle that were able to solve a lot of those uh, concerns that the commercial guys had at that time with sim based cattle so that's kind of where the the process started. Mm -hmm. And then as we went on with that, we discovered the value of of taking the best of both breeds and being able to make something uh, superior to the sum of its two parts. So with that, then as you began to narrow down what you were trying to target for the commercial rancher, what were the problems you thought you could solve with a crossbred bull for that commercial rancher? Sure. So, you know, as we discussed heterosis the value of heterosis is just immense and in all of our other major sources of protein heterosis or the value of composited parent seed stock is is put in place whether that's poultry Mm -hmm. swine our our grain and vegetable crops i mean it's even happening in in the fruit industry and and turf grass, grass industry at these points so it's it's very well accepted uh but in the commercial cow industry, I think in the early 70s, you know, we kind of made a little bit of mess of crossbreeding. And so some some folks kind of drifted away from it because of some of the problems that came with it. But now to come full circle, you know, we've kind of figured that out. Uh, so we understand that we need to have a cow that can have a live calf and have that calf on her own. Uh, obviously with the heterosis in our situation, creating the Simangus cattle, our desire is to add some gain and performance to those calves, uh, regardless of the endpoint that our customers are marketing those calves at so that they have additional value for them directly. But then we also want to have, have them add additional value at each point in the chain throughout the, the system so that the, the next person in line has, has a desire for those cattle and hopefully willing to pay a little extra value to, to acquire that. Some of the questions that might come up when you start talking crossbred is that I know you guys have probably had to address is consistency 
and beyond that F1 cross, does that continue on? So let's let's first talk about consistency in this crossbred program. Sure, and I, I appreciate the question because I think that oftentimes, and we've seen that now with a few decades behind us in creating composited seed stock, that, that F1, the consistency you may or may not achieve in that direct cross each time can be quite variable. So we actually see that our consistency and our ability to lock in type and function and particular traits that we are pursuing increases over time with the, the more generations of composited seed stock that we're actually creating, if that makes sense. So we see a lot less variability in these multi-generational composited seed stock calves than, than we did when we create that first F1 cross. Beyond that first F1 cross, are we able to continue uh, with the same level of, of hybrid vigor in that next cross as these guys take a crossbred bull, put it on uh, maybe a straight bred a British breed type cow? Are we able to maintain a high level of hybrid vigor? Yeah, I think so. So here my, my viewpoint will be a little different than perhaps what might be espoused in academia, mm-hmm. but it's also founded from literally decades of creating composited seed stock. So I do feel that we're able to capture and actually sometimes intensify the value of the heterosis in multiple generations of that composited seed stock. Now, having said that, obviously it has to be a directed and well thought out approach to to attain that. And we have to keep in mind that there are thousands of genes that are being impacted in each individual mating that we make. So with the random alignment of genes, uh, that can vary quite considerably from one mating to the next. But we find that we can increase our consistency and maintain the value of the heterosis through those multi-generational composited seed stock efforts. This is something relatively new, and when I say probably where it's being more used in breeding programs in the last maybe five years, it's been around longer than that, but we're starting to hear more and more about it, and that is genetic testing. How is that working in your guys' operation, and how are you able to kind of really use that to dial down on what you're wanting to, to achieve Boy, that's a great question, and I'm glad you asked it. We have been participating with DNA and its various forms and iterations since it first became available. Uh, Our hope is that we will continue to see it progress and have more practical applications on a commercial level where we can have more commercial customers participate with that to identify some things that have the most truly economic impact. Today, you know, we started out way early on with some simple trait testing and parentage verification and that sort of thing in the evolution of DNA. But today we're starting to see quite uh, a good application, even in the beef industry, where we can start to identify or separate some even full siblings with the genomic data that we receive back. So it's quite interesting. So if we're trying to focus some more on marbling or calving ease direct or whatever trait that might be, oftentimes that DNA that we submit now is the equivalent of up to 20 to 30 records for a given trait, not not necessarily for all. And particularly 
with stability, which is once again, one of those big impacts for maternal heterosis. I want to circle back, Rob, to the concept of this genetic testing and its viability to a commercial producer because it has been used in the registered purebred operations for a lot of years, and I believe that's where we feel uh, it really is has its applications. However, it is becoming more affordable, more usable to the commercial producer. So how do you see it fitting into their operation? Well, I think... As we develop more specific traits, uh, there are, you know, the various companies have their programs, be it, you know, for the identification of the superior replacement females or those that will be more valuable from a terminal standpoint. So I think as those become more enhanced, that it will become more and more valuable. The challenge is, Justin, that the commercial cow-calf guy typically sells his calves at weaning maybe they'll background them and and take them a little further and then sell them. So we really have to identify a way to show them that they're going to get additional value. You know, if they put $10 into testing, they want to get at least 11 back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so that's where I think the challenge is at this point. However, having said that, I feel as the industry whole, there's far more value and opportunity to do this genomic testing in a commercial setting than there even is in a seed stock setting as it relates to health and some of those things that we could really start to dial in on and make an economic impact. Just imagine if we could identify lines of cattle that were less susceptible to BRD and what that would mean to all of us as producers, not only from a financial ins- impact, but also from a welfare, animal welfare impact. Mm-hmm. Well, Rob Foreman with Trinity Farms is my guest. We're going to take a quick break here now, but when we come back, we're going to get into the topic of improving maternal traits in your cattle in a crossbred herd. More after this. Shh, hear that? It's a quiet, easy handling Hereford cow. That's right. No broken fences, no busted gates, no injured people. Herefords lead the way in the silent traits and fertility. Studies show they increase profitability by more than $51 per cow per year. At the same time, that's real money and real results. Isn't it time for you to come home to Hereford? Learn more at Hereford.org. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Podcast. I'm Justin Mills, your host, and my guest for this episode is Rob Foreman with Trinity Farms in Ellensburg, Washington. And we've been talking on crossbreeding and its effect in a commercial herd setting. Now, in a lot of instances, when you bring up the topic of using crossbred bulls on a set of cows, a lot of folks kind of naturally go down the road that it's for a terminal use. However, Rob, I want to flip the coin over and let's talk maternal traits. What do you believe are the performance traits that you can be gained through heterosis from a maternal perspective? So the, the number one impact that I see is the ability to change and impact fertility. To In a straight bred situation, to improve these traits that are difficult to measure and take a long time to really ferret out the success or lack of that in our efforts can take years. So with the advantage of crossbreeding, we can impact those difficult to measure and difficult to change traits by introducing another breed. In this, in this case, we're talking about beef cattle, of course, so 
to try and improve a particular trait that we we may whether that's for the fertility is the number one thing that's the number one thing that's going to drive a commercial cowman's profits is raising a live calf every year but we can impact longevity milk production we can impact foot and leg quality we there's so many things but once again all of these are difficult to measure and take a long time to achieve Mm -hmm. progress. So that's the value of maternal heterosis is being able to inject that in one generation from another side rather than just a straight bred approach. As you talked about fertility, that brings up the next topic, and that's longevity, which kind of goes hand in hand. But as I did my research into this issue of longevity, Rob, this really is a major factor that affects the profitability in our industry. The information that I found was that the industry average for the number of calves that a cow will have in its lifetime is three calves per cow, which means she doesn't start paying for herself until she's over five years old. Now, I know a lot of folks would say, well, that's not really not true because I've got cows that have calves much more than three years. However, I believe if you were to take, a, say, a hundred set of first calf heifers and keep them for five years, how many would you have over that period of time? And I think you'd begin to realize that that number of three is probably closer than we would like to believe. So the reality, Rob, is longevity is a huge issue that we, myself included, really don't give it the full attention it deserves. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned two things, so I'll, I'll put it a different way. The barrier to entry in this business is extremely high in the respect of the resources and capital that it's required to not only have the cattle to be running, but the, mm-hmm. the resource or the land to run them on. So just imagine the cost. Most all of us develop our own replacement females, which is typically a more expensive way to do it but you have a a better idea of the product that you have. So yes, keeping those cattle in production past producing three calves is just paramount to anybody's success. So you're absolutely right. One of the other financial impacts that you guys feel is a big deal, um, and maybe it's a little bit overlooked sometimes, is uh, PAP issues and risk of disease, which a lot of folks think, oh, well, that's just a high altitude deal. But that's something that even from a terminal cross of, of getting an animal all the way to a harvest point in which they remain healthy. So how have you had to address that? So the PAP, the PAP thing is very interesting to me. Unfortunately for us here in the Kittitas Valley, we're at a fairly low elevation, typically below 2,000 feet. So for us to PAP test, it's really not meaningful in the regard of trying to identify those cattle that will be more successful at high altitude. However, Justin, just as you had just mentioned, we are seeing a a significant increase in death just prior to harvest. I mean, we're talking two, three, four weeks prior to harvest due to those same related issues. So it is an issue here, even at low altitude. So once again, the advantage of capturing heterosis and the value of crossbreeding is we can go impact PAP immediately in one generation and in one mating in a way that we can't quite achieve in a straight bred situation. So we can take cattle that typically do not experience a problem with PAP and introduce those to those that do and try to mitigate that issue. And we're fortunate in the creation of our Simangus cattle. Of course, Simital cattle were developed over in Europe in the Alps and that sort of area where they've been exposed to high altitudes for literally 
uh, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of years. So mm -hmm. it's kind of a bred in advantage that those cattle can bring to the other side of our equation. So we feel that we're able to impact that immediately with that cross rather than just trying to address it in a straight bred situation over a much longer period of time. Mm -hmm. Are we ever going to get to a point where we we're going to have to move back to a purebred bull in terms of trying to maintain a high level of hybrid vigor? Because we're at this point now with the industry where we've seen a lot of purebred uh, over the years and we're talking and I'm going to go back a lot of years in the cattle industry you know when it, we saw more of the English breeds and then the continental breeds introduced later on but are we going to get to a point to where we've we've bred a certain line here of crossbred that we need to go back to a purebred type of a bull you know I, I suppose we are always going to have a need to keep some parent seed stock and in this situation, that would be a purebred bull of, of whatever breed that may be. However, in a commercial setting, I feel that if the seed stock provider or the guy providing the bulls to those guys is doing his job responsible, responsibly, he's going to be able to continue to offer those composited bulls. And in a commercial setting, they're going to have success for years and years and years without having the need to come back to a purebred bull. I see when we when we look at that viewpoint, and I know that typically is kind of the standard thought process, but I, I, I identify it as what I call the bounce. Mm -hmm. And you get that needle bouncing back and forth from one side of the pendulum to the other. And what we're trying to do with those composited seed stock is keep that right in the middle of the road uh, and avoid those extremes on either side. So, so I personally feel, and our experience has proven, that uh, we're able to do this with multi-generational seed stock much more successfully than we are to have that bounce by interjecting a purebred bull of either breed. It doesn't really matter which one it is, mm -hmm. but that, that's when you get more of that swing and change. So. All right. Well, one final question here, Rob. I didn't give you an opportunity at the front of the interview to explain a little bit about what you all do, but you're based there out of Ellensburg, Washington. So give us a little bit more details about Trinity Farms and what your operation entails. Sure. So, you know, like a lot of folks involved with Sim Angus cattle or Sim, Sim influence cattle, uh, our original cattle were some variety of a crossbred as, as Simital were brought into the U.S. So, so it was a, a breed of cattle that was bred up here in the U.S. So we've had experience with, with a crossbreeding perspective in a seed stock situation for a long time. That began in earnest in the 90s. Uh, today we sell between 200 and 250 bulls a year. Uh, we will sell 40 or 50 of those bulls will be purebred Angus bulls. And then the remainder of those bulls are composite Sim Angus bulls that we sell each year. So uh, um, nearly all of our bulls, I'm talking like 99% of our bulls sell into commercial cow-calf operations out here in our rugged Western conditions. So we have found that this, this cross not only holds up very well in those conditions, but uh, delivers the best value available and not only the heterosis, the direct and maternal heterosis that we talked about, Justin, but the complementarity that we see between those two breeds as well. So All right. we're excited to keep doing what we do. And we appreciate getting to deal with the people that we get to deal with every day and are so grateful to get to participate with a quality publication like yours today as well. All right, Rob. Well, thanks for joining us. All right. Have a great day.
Rob Foreman with Trinity Farms, my guest on this episode, on a topic that I know every commercial rancher has probably given some thought to at one time or the other. And before we completely leave this issue, I hope that more than anything, it has just spurred your curiosity into evaluating your own program, no matter what your size of operation is. Additionally, I think it's important that we are proactive in what we are doing so that we are confident in the products that we have when we go to market them. Now, if you believe in purebred genetics, there are benefits you can capture and there is a market for what you're doing. If you want crossbred genetics, there's a benefit there to capture and a market as well. But it is up to each of us to determine what's going to work best in each of our respective operations. And really at the end of the day, what is profitable and what can we sustain? I can't help but remember back to my conversation with Clint Berry in episode number five of the Working Ranch podcast on selling program cattle. Now, that was released, I think, back on the 6th of January of this year. But a comment he made that I feel has some implications in this conversation as well. And in that conversation, we were talking about whether to sell through a program or you look at technology to add pounds to your calves. But his comment during that interview, and I'm going to paraphrase it just a bit to, to make the point here, is the big biggest mistake that we can do as producers is to do nothing. And again, just a paraphrase there, but I believe it has wide and broad implications even beyond our topic here today. So really the bottom line is, is that we become educated and that we are proactive with our management. Today's feature has been brought to you by Corteva AgriScience. Keep weeds out of the way with new Duracore herbicide and make the most of your pasture. Learn more at DuracoreHerbicide.com. Well, stay with us. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up, but we're going to talk about what will be on next week's episode of the Working Ranch Podcast. If you could do something today that would bring you profit tomorrow, would you do it? In the cattle business, it's about efficiency. And with limousine genetics in your herd, your profit is just one calf crop away. With limousine or Limflex cattle, it's more pounds naturally to sell at weaning. It's growth and feed efficiency with the added benefit of carcass merit. The other side of the profit coin with limousine genetics is the maternal efficiency, docility, and longevity of your cows and bulls. It's as simple as limousine today, profit tomorrow. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Podcast. Justin Mills here, and I want to invite you to be watching for next week's episode as I'm excited to have Randy Block with Cattle Facts joining us. We'll be talking cattle market outlooks for the year, some legislative topics. Also, if you have a question that you would like to ask him, drop me a note on my email or text me the question. I can't guarantee we'll get through all the questions, but I'll do the best that I can. My email is justin.workingranch at gmail.com, or you can text me at 307-363-COWS. Again, next week, be watching Working Ranch Podcast. My guest will be Randy Block. Again, a thank you to Rob Foreman of Trinity Farms for joining me on this episode and to the captain, Tim O'Burn, with his calf-saving technique that he talked about. You can find that by going to the Working Ranch Facebook page. It's posted there on what that is. Also, we're able to bring you this podcast because we have great sponsors like the American Simmental Association from maternal traits to terminal traits. The genetic merit of Simmental Genetics has provided increased profitability to the rancher. Sim Genetics, profit through science. Find out more at Simmental.org. Also, Central Life Sciences, plan ahead with Altacid IGR fly control products. 
the North American Limousine Foundation, Corteva AgriScience, and their new DuraCore herbicide, DuraCoreHerbicide.com for weed control in your pastures, and the American Hereford Association. This has been a production of the Working Ranch Magazine. Be looking for the latest issue in your mailbox. If you don't already have it, you should be getting it. Also, if you have questions, ideas for topics on the show, or would just like to get a hold of me, you can do it by calling or texting the studio at 307-363-COWS or shoot me an email at justin.workingranch at gmail.com. Thanks again for joining me. I'm your host, Justin Mills. And until next time, keep your chin down and your mind in the middle. So long.